1: Insightful Informative Irreverent We're ready 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money
3: Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Took a day off yesterday as my voice is just weak. Cold and flu season, I guess. Um, It's not the greatest voice today, so I'm sorry that you have to hear it. I'm not going to cough up a lung or anything, but it's not the most attractive voice to hear, if you know what I'm saying. Um, Thanks for being patient, and thanks for understanding The S&P 500 up four, the Dow is up 23, the Nasdaq up 15. We have a healthy stock market. It's moving up. Is that healthy? I don't know. But it sure feels that way to a lot of people. Ten-year treasure bonds, it's 2.75%. Crude oil sits at $101 a barrel. That's interesting. In large part, it's showing you some worldwide strength. That and a little Janet Yellen, man, is she sexy or what? She's bringing sexy back to the financial banking system. In her first testimony before lawmakers, and as the new public figure or a spokesperson, I guess you would say, for the Federal Reserve, um, she didn't take any mess. She answered questions well. It's as if we thought that she might stutter, drool, and fall apart. She didn't do anything ba- great. She didn't do anything bad. The fact that she didn't do anything great tells us like we had low expectations because she's a woman. Whoa, 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 she's a woman. And there's never been anywhere in the world a lead banker who's a woman. Whoa, 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 she's a woman. Not only can she bring home the bacon, but she could fry it up in a pan. And she can make the federal banking system never, ever, never for- let you forget that you're a man. Um Angjole. I don't even know what that means, okay? I don't even know what that means. But stocks rallied. You know take it. I've learned long ago that you take it. I've learned long ago I never trust a lawyer who plays a guitar. I learned long ago that if someone's willing to buy you a drink, you take it. And when the stock market's up You take it. And that's what I learned on today's special episode of Rob Black and Your Money. You take it. A very special lesson. So, I don't care that the market was up on Janet Yellen, but I'll take it in large part because, look, I'm only doing this from age 20 to 60. And then when I turn 60, I'm getting an RV, I'm cruising America... I'm going to see things that I wanted to see. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to go to Egypt and go, ah, that's pretty nice. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to go to Indonesia. I'm going to go, ah, I never thought I'd see that. I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to go, like, I am not worried about the stock market at age 60 because I will have ridden that wave for 40 years. That's what I want you to do. I want you to get some truths along the way, like never, ever trust a lawyer who plays a guitar. Never hire a family law attorney in California because you don't need one. It's no-fault state. So when it's time to get a divorce and you're bitter at your spouse, don't do it. Just stop, breathe, relax, and go through mediation. I highly recommend Paula Lahan for divorce mediation. I do not recommend divorce attorneys in the state of California because the only thing that they're going to do is end up taking your house and don't worry, end up taking your money. You do not want to go down that road. Why? Why lose money over something that silly? Okay, okay. I got a bigger question. A friend of mine, Mark Dan, and Channel Four News anchor, has been offered Google Glass. Now, clearly, they're putting it in front of him because he's a news anchor and because he knows wealthy people and such might talk about it. Um, he's an Apple guy, and he has to give up his Apple. Will he take it? Will he not? Should he take it? Should he not? Um, The whole, okay, glass, take a picture. Okay, glass, pull up a website. Okay, glass, driving directions to blah, blah, blah. Um, It's going to be an interesting year, to say the least, about how Google Glass and wearable computers play out. You're going to see something from an Apple. They've been too quiet too long, and they've hired too many people. From what we're looking at, it's going to be very biometric from what we're being kind of led to believe. Some of the hires that Apple's done, biometric meaning it'll probably do your blood pressure. It'll probably do um, some sort of diabetes check for you. It's the thought. Maybe it'll be different versions, some more expensive than others, some that do more than others. But certainly, that would be intriguing. No? No? Um, So, I'm looking forward to this year. New pilots. There's a big shortage of of airline pilots right now. Um, What do you think a new pilot can make? Starting pilot salaries at 14 U.S. regional carriers. Average, what do you think? What do you think a pilot makes at a regional carrier in the United States? Um, twenty-two thousand four hundred dollars. Now that freaks me out a little bit because on the low end that number's fifteen thousand dollars a year. So you catch a small plane from like say psh, I don't know Sacramento to Reno, and that pilots making seven twenty-five an hour, <laughs> federal minimum wage. Look, I know some people in the restaurant industry who are so better at making minimum wage. That they do horrible things to your food. I don't know them personally, but I've read stories. The demand to get an aviation license, the number of hours that you have to fly, has increased, and there's a lot of people who have gotten, you know, um, aviation degrees, four-year aviation degrees, and they, to get that aviation degree, you have to pay to fly, and it ain't necessarily cheap. It's very expensive. The outlook for coming out of that and working at minimum wage, very distressful. Now, that brings me then and again and again to the same old, same old story. What's America going to look like in 20 years, 30 years from now? What, if you were to have a child, can you expect him or her career to be? And It's a little bit freaking out-ish. There's evidence now that millennials have worse than any other generation in the last 50 years. And that's interesting to note. Every generation likes to believe that it came at an age, especially trying moment in history. You know, for me, I came at the, in the 80s in the Reagan era, where America went corporate, like, full, everything in. The baby boomers had Vietnam. The Generation X, not only did we have the Reagan era, but we also had the dot-com bust. So the millennials get the recession, the Great Recession. The unemployment rate for people 25 to 32 years old is crazy. Higher than Generation Xers, late boomers, early boomers, and the quote-unquote silence. Uh, So they're coming out of school, and they're not having a lot of luck finding jobs. Whether you have a high school graduate degree, 12.2% unemployment. Two-year college degree, 8.1% unemployment across America. Uh, Bachelor's degree, 3.8%. But Generation Xers have a 2.8% with a bachelor's degree. Uh, Late boomers, 2.3% unemployment rate. So it's very clear that the millennials are struggling. And they got it worse than any other generation before them for at least 50 years. What do you think that does? 800 1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800 516 1220 to
2: get your calls in the air. Whoa, whoa,
3: whoa. She's a winner. She's a lady. Take it right here. We'll be
1: right back. Hey, from Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are normal,
3: stabilized monetary policy. We're a long way from that.
1: Commodities are rallying. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Old
2: Genesis.
3: Like Peter Gabriel Genesis. Um, which is weird, because here was a guy just starting to break out, artistically speaking. And, uh, he walks away from the van. 800-516-1220, it's 800-516-1220, sometimes you've got to do your own thing, and I get that. Interesting little side story today. Um The Walking Dead returned to AMC and AMC is a publicly traded company and they're gonna do a Walking Dead spin-off. We already know that. Um How I Met Your Mother, I think is a CBS show, and they're doing a spin-off. CBS publicly traded as well. Um America tends to like what it likes and we tend to get served mini doses of it until we get tired of it. Um Walking Dead, they did a zombie prank in New York City to kind of, like, show people, like, hey, the show's coming back. You've seen some of these pranks. They try to shoot the video, and they try to get it to go viral kind of thing. That's the goal. Um, So they basically got into a subway grate and put some zombies down there. And then when New Yorkers were walking above the grate, the zombies would, you know, reach their hands through the grate and scare said passerby So they're being investigated for, you know, getting in the subways and not having a a filming permit to do it, per se. Um, Silly, yes, absolutely, a little bit, no doubt. Uh, But you kind of get the story, right? You know, you can see why New York City is upset. You can see why AMC did it without asking permission. Uh, It's not something you exactly want to, you know, pay a lot of money for. Um, Where does this story go? Just publicly traded stock, uh, you know, I watched the Breaking, not Breaking Bad, which was AMC as well, uh, Mad Men, AMC as well, um, I watched the season kind of rejoin of The Walking Dead, and I'm like, eh, it's losing a little bit, and I know where the story goes, and there's going to be a goofy twist in about two years that... Is going to freak you out. And you're going to say, that's goofy. Uh, I don't like it. So we know that the show's going to run out of steam at some point. Like, for instance, Mad Ben ran out of steam. The moment I saw the Zuby Zuby Zoo, which should be in our audio recordings there at KDOW, Zuby Zuby Zoo, when you saw that, you're like, it's jumped the shark. Zoo. Jumping the sharks is a bad thing if you don't have a lot of product. Now, Happy Days and the Fonz got on his motorcycle and he jumped a pool with sharks in it or something like that. And the show sucked bad forevermore. AMC has this moment right now where Mad Men's going to end this season. I know the the jump-the-shark moment coming for The Walking Dead. I won't spoil it. But let's just say it happens in Washington, D.C., at a museum. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. And I think America will get a little... We need another hit from them. Is The Americans enough? I've heard nothing but good things, but I I don't want to invest my time in it yet. Because Netflix. When it comes time for me to watch The Americans, which is like the... It's a young couple who are Russian spies, and it's got some great twists in it. Um, does their kid know? Does a kid not know? Do they know? Are they double agents? So, like, there's question, question, question. Um, I'll just catch up on Netflix. It is kind of where I'm at at this point in time. Took a day off yesterday, and I started watching, and I know it's going to be embarrassing, and I probably will have to give my man license back. Started catching up on girls. Lena Dunham's comedy. I kind of passed it. Said, no, don't really want to watch no, it. I no, thought really dreadful. I know. I thought it was dreadful. I, I'm not into it yet, but I'm trying to give the show a chance because she's, quote-unquote, so funny and so original. Judd Apatow, a lot of stuff that he touches turns to gold. Uh, from what I've seen, the millennials are just miserable. <laughs> it, it, and dominate, it, sex dominates their every thought. Uh, true, I don't know, but it's a comedy about millennials and their lack of like uh, finding their place that they want or getting the place that they think they deserve in society. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about anything. Seriously, um, what companies profit from drought, for instance? California's facing its most severe drought in at least 100 years. I read somewhere that at one point in time, California had a drought that lasted 180 years. And we're like in the year five-ish, depending on who you talk to. What stocks would do well? Um, negative, John Deere. Fertilizer companies like Potash. Higher food prices could crimp consumer spending. So there's a lot of plays there. You know, if you want to be speculative about it, water purification companies could get a pop like General Electric, Dow Chemical, Siemens. There could be a shift of California to import more food, which is... I saw a commercial for a Mexican um, Avocado. And the only reason I knew it was a Mexican avocado because it had a Mexican flag on it, and it was dancing. I was like, don't we grow those here? Why are they putting that on our television in California? Um, so, yeah, importing food. Add me to salsa. So it could be a benefit to transportation companies that bring food to the region. There could be an increased interest in you know, drought-tolerant crops and seeds. And that would be good for Monsanto, DuPont, and Syngenta. Syngenta. Um, so we'll see. A lot of the companies that you know do water purification, they're developing technologies to clean um, and to process water. Water reserves have avoided major rationing so far, but how long does the drought last and how pervasive is it? I've already started myself doing my part and I only shower once a week. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not a family law attorney. No, 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 no. Um, I shower every day. But you know what? I do take like 30-second showers. If you're in there for you know more than two, three, four, five minutes, what are you doing? I don't get people who take long showers. I don't get it. It's just a waste of water. to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Shirley Temple Black is no longer with us. And I'm saddened.
1: On AM 1220, KDOW, and iHeart Radio Station.
3: Imagine Dragons, an American alternative band out of Las Vegas, Nevada. You probably remember me playing this incredibly annoying song about two years ago. I like the uh, snap, clap, stomp angle of the song. To me, it's catchy. What's interesting to note is I saw them come out of a bar in 2008, 2009, and I was like, I should invest in these guys, because like they were pretty poor looking, and yet the crowd was totally into it. Um, they had a female player in the song. If you look up the song, you'll see a female, and she's wearing this head thing-ish issue. Um, her and the drummer basically quit the band right after this song. And then the comp, the band goes on to become Grammy record of the year, radioactive song of the year. Um, I always think, you know, the drummer and, you know, a backup and keys. She played the keys. Um, what would it be like to quit a band and then watch them go on to be super successful? Like, there was a fifth Beatle. I don't know if you know, guys know that. I think his name was Squeaky. Um, could you imagine being that close? I, again, is Imagine Dragons the next thing since Slice bread? Will they have any sort of... Winning a Grammy doesn't really mean much. If you look at the last couple new artists of the year, some of them are gone quickly. But it's a pretty good album, which was kind of interesting to note. Um... I saw a thing, I saw one of those documentaries in Palladium. It's one of those TV channels tied towards music. I saw, like, a documentary of the making of the album. And you see, you know, this female backup singer, and you see this drummer who's no longer in the band, um, putting together this drag, this album that ultimately, right before they said, you know what, We're, we want to get married and want to settle down. The life of the band isn't for us. And then you get international success. Interesting. I'm not sure you totally agree with that or not, but I find that wildly interesting. And if you like Magic Dragons, you probably have the same cut in music, um, like the Beatles, Paul Simon, Arcade Fire, um, Foster the People, Mumford and Sons, for you know bringing alternative sounds to the radios. Um, but. Influences are definitely you know pretty classic in the Beatles and Paul Simon in the music. Anyhow, and anyway, that's my radio moment of the day. I know you're saying what does that have to do with business? Not much other than you know you put together a team and sometimes you quit a little bit too early and sometimes you quit perfectly. Know that all things fail, even the Beatles. So your love of a company like a Facebook will eventually fall apart. NBC is hoping that Jimmy Fallon, the new host of The Tonight Show, will be able to handle live commercials in the same way that Jimmy Kimmel does in his late-night show. So The Tonight Show is going to introduce live commercials. Uh, Jay Leno hosted The Tonight Show. He's gone. Don't mess him. Fallon's scheduled to come on February 17th. Live commercials. What do you think about that? Again, it shows you that Wall Street is a product. Television is a product. Uh, NBC Universal, wildly profitable with late night television. Not the best day on Wall Street. Um, we had four up days. Right now, where do we end? It's a push. We don't know. SP 500 is up less than one. The Dow's down 19. The Nasdaq up 11. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. talk a little women and investing in investing. The fair sex. They say man created the world, but women refined it. Could it agree with that broad phrase? More if I tried. Women are the best things in life. But women face financial decisions that men necessarily don't. They have to approach marriage differently than a man does. The birth of a child. Let's talk birth of a child and what it does to a woman because clearly they leave the workforce for a little while. Changes their social security structure. Adds a financial burden. Adds a tax benefit. Yay.
4: Is the tax benefit worth having a kid, Chad? (laughs) <laughs> no, you know, in fact, in, in some of the new tax laws in terms of who ends up paying the Medicare surcharge tax or the Obamacare 3.8%, um, or the new capital gains rates. Uh, f- when you're single, that kicks in at 400,000, right? Uh, or 200,000 on the 3.8% for the Obamacare tax. Uh, for the 20% capital gains and dividend tax, that kicks in at 400,000 single. But when you're married, it's for it's 250 and 450. So it's actually a bit of a marriage penalty again to be married, especially if you're in a high-income earning situation. So basically the Obamacare taxes or the, the new tax laws that were passed, assume that um, only one person was working <laughs> when, when you get married and if you're a high-income earner. So a little bit unfair. A tax credit for a child, about $1,000 per year. Well, it's, certain things get phased out, too, Rob, for high-income
3: earners. So, Well, yeah, you and your high-income earners. So. <laughs> you yeah, and your high-income earners. Yeah, 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 yeah. um, there are some tax benefits for children. You have two tax advantage options. FSAs are able to save money for health care savings, child care deductions. It's just, it's just not worth having children, though. Tax benefits aren't that groovy.
4: No, you don't look at
3: unless unless you're a really. You're not going to save
4: money by having kids.
3: Let the inner Republican come out, Chad. Unless you're a poor person in the inner city, having more (laughs) children is a good idea. Is that your inside inner Republican voice? Um, It's tied towards welfare, okay. And you know, commentary on welfare. Uh, It is strange that you know some people believe having more children equals more tax deductions and government uh, subsidies, which is shocking and sad because that child doesn't get what he deserves. So. Anyhow, um, women and money, we're talking about having children, and the tax credits are really not worth it, but they're out there for you. Uh, Death of a spouse. I think that's an interesting one to talk about with women. Uh, My mom's outlived my dad by 20 years. He had a life insurance policy on her. He didn't have one on himself. He let his expire. Like, he screwed her. He he thought he was going to outlive her because she's heavier than him, and cancer got him. Yeah. Death of spouse, big financial issue.
4: Well, it is because, you know, especially if you have a, two Social Security checks because even if one spouse didn't work, you have one Social Security check and the, the spouse gets somewhere between, you know, 35 and 50% of the spouse that worked their check. So they have two Social Security checks, and when one dies, the smaller check goes away, the larger check stays. So that's not that's – that, for a lot of the American population now – where they get 50 to 60 percent of their income or more from Social Security, that's a huge decline in income. That means that okay, they're going to probably have to go do a reverse mortgage. They're going to have to move. They're going to have to possibly live with their kids. Something else like that. So, uh, yeah, people are retiring too young these days, Rob, and that's 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 why we see our youth unemployment uh, rate continuing to rise. Because people are having to work longer. They didn't save enough. They didn't think about their future. They spent. They became consumers rather than savers.
3: How about estate planning consequences with death of a spouse? Things like step-up in basis. Is. is there anything we need to know?
4: Um, well, it, California, which is a community property state, um, what's nice is that if you own assets you know, the right way, um, everything gets a step-up in basis on the first spouse's death. So that means that rental property that you paid 100000 for that's worth $800,000 now, you could essentially sell a tax-free. Um, the depreciation you'd have to recapture if we want to get technical about it. But, but when there is a death of a spouse, at least there's a reduction in having to have taxes be a major decision with your taxable assets, your real estate, things like that. So that can come all into play because a lot of times when there's a death of a spouse, if there's a loss of a pension, a loss of a Social Security check, sometimes it means a reduction in standard of living. So you might have to sell that large home and downsize. Anything else that we need to know about with this topic? Um, Well, when you do have somebody that is, you know, passing or, you know, terminal or somebody has passed, then, yeah, the the delivery trust should be redone. uh, And, again, this is an
3: issue that I think it's a women-centric issue because men tend to marry a little bit younger and women tend to outlive men. So uh, my mom's been in retirement without a spouse for 20 years. It's a long time to make her own financial planning decisions. Anyhow, and anyway, that's CFP Chad Burke. You can find him at NewFocusFinancial.com. It's NewFocusFinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more, there's a big push right now on second screen apps. Has anyone done this? Watched like The Walking Dead on AMC, and they say, turn on to blah, blah, blah.com forward slash second screen. I'm not that nerdy yet, where you get synchronized content. Um... It seems that users are underwhelmed so far, but executives are super excited. GM truck discounts whip up an overdone fuss. Um, it's interesting. Some of the things that we're seeing is GM is probably going to offer bigger discounts in the future if they're already doing them so early in the year. They put big discounts on a few V6 trucks, um, and that has the whole industry, whether it be Toyota or Ford, in kind of a, a tizzy. Um, Chevy Silverado, GMC Sierra, um, big questions on how well are they selling or why are they trying to push them, what's going on. So just throwing it out there for you. Just throwing it out there for you. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the area. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um People love to hate Starbucks. People love to hate McDonald's. People love to hate Microsoft. Um, Amazon's come out today and saying, we're hiring 2,500 people. Why? Because suddenly they're looking more and more like Walmart, right? What do all those companies have in common? Billions of dollars in profits. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty 1220 to get your calls in there. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. 1220 Take a break here. We'll be right back. Find me online at the
1: Insightful, informative, irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network
3: mixed in with a lot of angles on investing. Um, And by that, I mean, and with that, I mean, to try to help you get to retirement. Um, Something that I've started doing in the last couple of years is looking at it from a lot of different angles. I used to do the show very much so from my angle of what am I investing in and why. And I started seeing that more and more people had different issues. For instance, long-term care is a man's issue, is it a woman's issue? I tend to think that it's a woman's issue. Others in this field think that of it as both. I'll talk about it as both at this point because I can't just, you know, lump it in and say just because my dad died 20 years ago, who's there to take care of my mom, Um, even though that's what life has presented me? I think you should consider long-term care if you had a parent that needed long-term care, uh, because that's what your genetics are lining up for. It's interesting. I know people who have type one diabetes, and they're like, "Genetics, man." I, I'm not really angry at God. It's genetics. I was. This is the cards I was dealt. So look at your genetics and be honest with yourself. Did your dad die at sixty? Or did he die at 95? That's when you need to start thinking about long-term care Is years 85, 90, 95. Hopefully you have a spouse who can take care of you, and hopefully they pass quickly, and that no one needs long-term care, because long-term care is not attractive. But it's something you have to insure against. Even if you're 35 and hot with a baby, even if you're like this sexy young couple and you're at the top of the world, and closing half million dollar deals. Um, you gotta look at it, right? Millennials are people who are born after 1980. They're not thinking long term care, but they need to be informed of what the hell is long term care. That's when you can't figure out what vitamins or what pills to take, what medications to take. That's when you can't get up and down the stairs. That's when you can't get out of the shower without breaking your hip. That's when you can't get out of bed because you broke your hip getting out of the shower. Someone has to help take care of you. It's extremely expensive to get done well. It's extremely expensive. So I do the show that all I can tell a millennial is, like, this may be something you want to talk to your mom and dad about. I can't tell a millennial you need to go look at long-term care because they're not there. They have another ten years before they get there. Now, I can tell baby boomers, Generation X, and millennials that, you know, wage premiums from college is said to be up. So a college degree gets you more income. A high school degree right now gets you less income. So it's critically important that you send your kid to some sort of advanced education after high school. Middle class jobs require a college degree at this point in time. Um, High school graduates in America average, if you're under the age of 30 at this point in time, high school graduates pulling in about $28,000. If you're under the age of 30 and you have a college degree, you're pulling in about $45,000. So 28 versus 45. Now, again, in the Bay Area, these numbers are terribly skewed. It doesn't add up. It Doesn't make sense. But stop and think about that. Like $17,000 difference a year. Over 10 years is 170,000. That's 340 over 20. That's $680,000 over 40 years, which is your career. You work from age 20 to 60 roughly, let's say. That's the difference. So college education costing you, you know, $100,000. That may not be worth it as much anymore. These are, like, you may want to go on the higher end of income with your college degree. If your college degree is going to cost so much money, you need a return on investment on it. So oftentimes on the show I'll say things like, moms, don't let your kids grow up to be poets. You know, We don't need a poetry major. Hopefully your kid knows he's a poet and is spouting out great things. Maybe he's destined to be a poet and doesn't need a college professor to tell him to get in touch with his inner conflict to become the best poet ever. And that comes back to the concept of we have to start holding colleges accountable for the amount of debt students are racking up versus the lack of jobs or versus the amount of degrees that they're putting low-paying jobs into. That's just, it's unimaginable. So last segment, I, I got totally discombobulated. I was talking about American Airlines, and I was talking about U.S. Airways, and I was talking about Virgin America. Virgin America has 53 planes, and that's doubled over the last three years from 25 planes. So American Airlines, which merged with U.S. Airways, has 951 planes. And I was kind of talking about, like, how the legacy carriers, the old carriers, they can't really grow at this point in time. What they can do is charge you for bags. What they can do is, say, you change your international flight. It's 400 dollars They make more money off their fees than they do off their tickets. So Virgin still has that ability to grow into profitable niches and show revenue and not just bottom line. Revenue is a growth story. bottom line becomes a valuation story. Uh, Barbie's on the cover of Sports Illustrated's 50th anniversary bikini swimsuit issue. Um, And that upsets me enormously. Even if it's not real, even if it's just some sort of gimmick, um, she's constantly, Barbie constantly gets nagged about how her body looks. How her body looks in um, bikinis. I... I'm not one of those guys who honestly thinks that this is a real debate. I think it's fine for kids to play with plastic dolls, if that's what they're so inclined to do. I think it's up to the parent to help shape the body size debate. SP 500's up one. One! That's not up. That's sideways. The Dow's down 18. The Nasdaq's up 12. We had four really good days on Wall Street. Why? I don't know. No. Why? Jenny Allen, the world's hottest and sexiest uh, Federal Reserve banker. Keep in mind, she is the hottest female head banker because she is the only female head banker in the world, thus making her the hottest. And do I really, really want to sell sex into the story? I don't. But it's worthy of note, why is there only one head female of banks in the world? The stock market didn't party like it was 1999 yesterday, but it certainly felt like 2013, which was a good year. Fed Chairman Janet Yellen's testimony before the House Financial Services Committee. Markets went up, up, up four days in a row. Continuity. A uh, big buzzword of hers. She's not going to do a damn thing to mess up tapering, to mess up higher, lower interest rates becoming higher interest rates, to mess up the economy. She's a data person. She's not married to ideas. And these are all things that, like, you would expect. But to hear them, for some reason, the market rallied off that. So maybe the market didn't believe it. 800 to get your calls in the air. Find me online at robblack.com. AM
1: 1220, KDOW
3: I can't quite reconcile this whole thing of women's hockey. When you watch men's hockey, they take they off their helmets. they got helmet head. They've got, like, wet hair. They're just grotesquely sweaty. They've got, like, red lines from where their helmet cuts into their skin. And then you watch women's hockey, and they take off their helmets, they wear an eyeliner, and they look great.
1: What's up with that? Who are these people that look great playing hockey?
3: Um, and I'm going to drop it right there. The Raiders have the toughest NFL schedule for 2014. Um, and they've already been eliminated from the playoffs. So just FYI, they have opponents, basically their opponents have a 578 winning average. Um, is that worthy of noting? Mm, maybe a little bit. they got to play the Seahawks and the Niners next year. Yeah, I'd say they've been eliminated. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. In a couple of moments, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, uh, Briefing.com economist. Snap all that in a bucket of chicken. Uh, so we'll be talking to him in just a couple of moments. Right now we have the S P p 500 down less than one, the Dow down 34, the NASDAQ up eight. Joining me now, certified financial planner Chad Burton to talk all things financial. One of the things I want to talk about is a vacation home. I think it's an ideal that I personally want to have, a vacation home in Tahoe. But before I get there, I, I, I forget I'm going to have to put a TV in it. Am I going to put renters in it? or the renters take good care of it so that when I go, it's still in good shape?
4: What do you think about some uh, vacation home ideas? I think now's a good time to look at doing it. Okay. I mean, you've got a big drop in real estate prices. So the people that are typically doing it, are those that are a little bit wealthier, probably on track for retirement, you hope. Um, you really got to determine how much you're going to use it. So I find a lot of people go buy a vacation home, and they haven't been really vacationing that much. Right. So they buy it, and they're not using it that much.
3: Um, And we can kind of fall in love when we go to Costa Rica, and we go, oh, this is beautiful. And, you know, the people at the cabbies are pushing vacation homes there, and you're in love, and you're romantic, and you make a bad decision because Costa Rica sucks. (laughs) Um, And it takes you a couple minutes outside that country to realize it sucks. But when you're there, you're in the moment.
4: Yeah, and you get you know, buying in the moment is always bad. That's when people, most people buy timeshares, right? When yep, it's in the moment. <laughs> Absolutely, you get free tequila. <laughs> That's
3: kind of where I was going at with that. And sitting through those timeshares, I hear people go, "Yeah, I do two or three of those free vacations a year." And you have to sit through timeshares and that timeshare pitch, and you know, just don't bring your checkbook. I'd rather die than sit through a pitch like that.
4: Yeah, you know, and then people that look at buying vacation homes in Tahoe and stuff like that, a lot of them are Bay Area people, and they've got large mortgages already. Right, And if you buy a second home, there's a limit, you know, right around $1.1 million of how much mortgage debt you can have to be able to write it off. Um, now, you could get a second home and use it as a rental property and write it off as a Schedule C, or on your Schedule E, rather. Um, and, you know, if it creates a loss, potentially write that off. But most people in the Bay Area that can afford a uh, vacation home are making over $150,000 a year, right? Right. Which, at that point, you start losing the ability to take losses uh, from your Schedule E. It gets suspended until you sell a property. So a lot of people get into the idea of a second home thinking, I'm going to rent it out. I'm going to create some income and I'll have a tax deduction. Sure. And it might not be. So before you do it, make sure it fits in your overall financial plan because it's it's not, it might not be the best use of money, but also run it through um, projections, right? Go say, pretend that you are going to have the parental property for a full year. Look at the last year's tax return and tell your CPA to run it as if you had the property. And you can see what the overall effect is on your tax brackets. I'm sure CPAs love doing made up scenarios. Hey, like if that. you have a CPA that doesn't love doing that, yeah. then get a new one. Okay. Fair. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that's really important to, to have because most CPAs end up with too many clients and, and they're too busy to run the what if scenarios. But yeah. it's so important, especially if real estate issues, stock options, estate planning issues, to have a CPA that's more than willing to meet with you and charge you, you know, a couple hundred bucks an hour to do those, those mock uh Returns. Another scenario that we should talk about when buying a vacation home that you may rent, you may not,
3: you know, may retire in, is a lot of times things change. Like for instance, I'd love a Tahoe vacation home to retire into, but I'm imagining that I'll be able to shovel snow in twenty, thirty years, and I may not. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, be careful what you. Your lifestyle may change. Uh, you may no longer like living in the desert or vacation in the desert. Uh, when you're old, you're you know. You can cook in that kind of stuff, and, and be left to die, and vultures will circle around you and eat your eyeballs out. So, <laughs> you may not really like that home 10, 20 years from now. Yep. That's what I'm getting at.
4: Yeah. So d- definitely, until you've traveled many places, don't buy don't buy that vacation home. Um, home but, away from home. You know, I know a lot of people that still ski in their 70s and 80s that are really, really you happy. Do not. I do. You do not. I have several clients. Being in, from you know having clients across California all the way up to the northwest. Um, some clients you know, spend the spring and summer in the Northwest, and then they'll go to Colorado for six months a year. Mm-hmm.
3: So. Different conversation for a different day. You're listening to me, Rob Black, and that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find Certified Financial Planner Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And you can find me on podcast at kdow.piz, kdow.piz. KAAW is the only station in the Bay Area that is a dedicated business channel.
1: To Rob Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. The one, the only Dr. Jeff Rosen.
3: From Briefing.com, Chief Economist. Are we on a road to nowhere, Dr. Jeff?
5: It's... <laughs> uh, I don't think long term. I think uh the next couple quarters or the next quarter or two, you know, may seem that more like that than, than not. Uh, I've always been a little bit more pessimistic than the uh, the consensus in terms of where the economy is headed. It's been my opinion that um, we've been seeing some seasonal moves at the end of uh, of the year that la- leave economists notably to be more upbeat than they probably should be. You know, if you average everything out, and you know, now things are turning down again, more towards what I was expecting. You know, one percent or so growth in in the first quarter be followed up by maybe a little bit better in the second before we reaccelerate into the second half of the year?
3: Now you're seeing a lot of um economical not economical um you're seeing a lot of statistics tied towards job growth and unemployment um on a very pure level. Do you look at the the like college costs, the average wage that someone has with a college degree, a high school degree do you look at some of the back data that may say things don't look so good or things look great in the future?
5: I look more at the aggregate income. So I what I do when the employment report comes out is I take the changes in payrolls along with changes in wages and changes in hours and see how that all combined has uh grown or dropped from the previous month to get ideas of trends and to me, that that's a, a pretty good indicator of what consumption will look like, assuming that uh, there's no change in savings rate. So you can get an idea, at least in the near term, how things are. Uh, in the long term, I, I don't normally piece out um, again different subsects of the economy because I'm more looking at how in general the U.S. is performing so I'll again look more at uh, trends in consumption or trends in in job growth um, overall but not necessarily where in the micro aspect they're occurring
3: I bring this up um, because I see a lot of different type of anecdotal data I hosted a fundraiser this weekend, I co-hosted a fundraiser where the biggest bidders were the grandparents, and the smallest bidders were the families. So I live in a very rich part of the world, you know, real close to Palo Alto, and the parents are struggling, but the grandparents are wealthy, and I, I don't even want to think about the children of the parents, because that's too much for me to, you know, figure out. I see a lot of, I see a lot of stratification, to be honest with you, and uh, at times I get a little bit too caught
5: up in it, I think. I don't think that's abnormal. I mean, especially, I mean, I don't know what you guys are auctioning off, um, if they're luxury goods or if they're more of, you know, some kind of staple. But, you know, as you get older, you have less cost of living. I mean, a lot of them generally own their home, so they don't have a mortgage, or their mortgage is is fairly small comparatively. And, uh, you know, especially if you're looking at uh, upper income type household, it makes perfect sense that... The bidders in an auction, uh, especially for luxury goods, would be more heavily, uh, you know, geared toward the grandparents versus the parents of the kids or, or the kids themselves.
3: But I mix that with the data like college costs are out of control. I mix it with quotes from like a Peter Thiel who says, "Drop out of college. A college degree doesn't do you any good anymore. Go to work. Um, learn to code. Kind of things." So I see some of the anecdotal, but also I see some of the headlines. And I'm not, in your world, The you know, I'm not an economist. I don't pretend to be one. So I just, I'm throwing that at you because it can be kind of overwhelming the way the media prepares for these uh, events per se. Well,
5: and, and I agree to a part. I mean, there, there are definitely different majors in college that, uh, you know, end up with higher salaries. And if you go to you know a school you should be you know cognizant of what your salary is going to be based on what you're willing to spend and you know a lot of times people go in and don't do that and especially if they go to a a small you know private institution um, you know where you're spending thirty thirty five thousand dollars a year you know and that's you know compared to a similar you know state school you, you're, you, it may not be in your best interest to do that in terms of what you're going to get out of it, what your marginal uh, return will be. So, I mean, if you're, if you're doing that, I mean, it, there's definite, you know you know, reasons for this. But if you're looking at overall, should I go to college versus not, I mean, your marginal return is still positive for going to college versus not in, in general. But you probably should look at what your specific major is when you're making your own decision.
3: So I haven't talked to you since that jobs report came out last Friday. Was there anything in it more discouraging or more encouraging than, than was first let on?
5: I, I think it was exactly what it looked like. It was a disappointing number. Okay. You know, people were quick to blame uh, weather conditions as uh, a reason for the weakness that we've been seeing, you know, since December. You know? And then you find out in this jobs report that uh, – you know, the December numbers don't get revised at all, and the January numbers weren't affected at all by the uh, the uh winter weather conditions. So we're in a period of uncertainty in where the job market is actually headed. I mean, people assume based on where the initial claims level is that we should have 185,000 to 200,000 jobs, uh, you know, added each month, and we haven't seen that in the last two months. And You know, one month is an outlier, two months is the, you know, the potential starting point of a trend, and it's a very discouraging look when, uh, you know, you don't have any legitimate uh, reasons for the disappointment.
3: Is there anything that you're working on right now that that you can shed some
5: light on that is encouraging? You know, it's... Funny is you know I spend a lot of time right now on jobs. You know, basically we had the report coming out on Friday. Yesterday we had JOLTS numbers come out, which uh, were again a little bit unusual. Um, one of the reasons for the uh, the JOLTS number is like um, job openings that are being posted by companies, and it's an uh, aggregation of the month and. Um, you know we had a small dip in the in the number of job openings and at the same time you had a, a pretty big dip in the unemployment rate and the question is why did um the unemployment rate fall and job openings fall generally um you know you don't have many job openings if you have a you know a very high unemployment rate because as soon as a job comes up you uh, you take it so it's kind of an unusual circumstance, and it may signal that uh, there's not as many structural problems in the economy as some people are thinking. Um, and then really beyond that, you know, looking at measures of employment and full employment is what the CBO was talking about last week and how the uh, change in hours can potentially affect the economy going forward. Thanks very much. That's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief
3: Economist, com. That's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Brief. Uh, Briefing.com, Briefing's a great site. Seriously, if you get a chance to play with it, you'll fall in love with it. They've got very basic services. They've got very high-end services and everything in between. Um, I personally want an economist on my side of the fence, and that's one of the things that they do is independent live market analysis. Now, you start with building a case, and then you build data around that case, and you need to be very honest with yourself. Um, I believe in capitalism, and then I start with an economist, market strategist. I think when you hear Patrick O'Hare on Tuesdays and then Dr. Jeff Rosen on Wednesdays, that's a great one-two punch of people that work in the industry that show you the markets. Um, I think more often than not, the, the, you know, they may be on the conservative side, but that's a good place to start before you get a little crazy, if you know what I'm saying. Crazy going out and buying Salesforce.com. I love Salesforce.com. But it's a lot of work to keep up with Salesforce.com. If that makes any sense in any way, shape, or form. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. There's areas that I'm not going to understand, and there's areas that I'm not going to want to talk about. For instance, I don't talk about Bitcoin, because I don't want people to go out and play until you know what you're doing. Bitcoin's had a little bit of a problem recently. It's a little Mario coin sound, just so you, people can tie those two references together. Uh, Bitcoin's value topped 1100 in November, $1,100. It dropped to $630 um, recently. I mean, it's all over the place. Now, is there a future in digital currencies? Apparently so, according to everyone else. I still don't wrap my head around that. And because I don't, I choose not to talk about it because I can't help most people. If you want to go off and play, you can go off and play. But I can't give advice to people to go off and play with something they know very little about. Connected TVs are on pace. And again, the argument for Bitcoin is very much like the argument for gold. And I don't like that because it's a fear argument. U.S. is spending too much money. They're printing money. Printed money has no value. Thus... Like, if you listen to Phil Grandy, clearly he has a problem with the Federal Reserve. He should be pushing Bitcoin because that would be the other side of the uh, the the argument. I'm not against printing money. I kind of work with it. It's the, you know, the card's dealt. Am I going to play a poker face and, like, really be frightened in my boots? No. I'm going to talk to an economist and say, you know, hey, the numbers that came out, are they something I should be worried about? The media reports, is that something I should be worried about? Are you taking into account college degree expenses in the future jobs? Connected TVs are going to be in more than 759 million televisions by 2018, more than double today's numbers. There's a lot of growth in the next five years in those things that the TV connects to. Some of them apps... We'll talk about that and more. This is Rob Black in Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Never so yeah, your man. AM 1220.
1: listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Weird cop just came on.
2: Eight hundred five one six twelve
3: twenty 1220 to get your calls in the air. Use more calls. I hear calls coming to Mo and sorry from the Bay Area. Calls should come in to me. You don't need to be afraid and you don't have to wait to hear what I have to say. You can help me create a new uh, dialogue per se. The more money I earn, the happier I'll be. That's one of those maxims you just got to throw away. Money does not equal happiness. Happiness equals happiness. Um, I was recently talking to some family members about the amount of toys. We grew up in a military family, so we moved every year. So we didn't have a lot of toys because you have to box them up and ship them. I turned out okay, and I don't look at my childhood as hideous. So seriously, it's not about the amount of toys you accumulate. Don't let people tell you that. Uh, People think that your kids, a financial maxim, my kids should be my financial priority. I disagree with that. I think you should set some boundaries when it comes to finances so your kids will share your money values. You know, if you want to pay for a pair of sneakers for them, um, that's fine. But if they want the super nice Nikes, then they need to pay the difference between said pair of sneakers and super nice. So, I think your kids shouldn't be your financial priority. I think your retirement should be your financial priority. I think you should do everything you can to save for their college education and not necessarily make them happy with shoes. Debt's bad. I disagree with that, that statement. Debt is not always bad. Low-cost debt, like mortgage debt and student loan debt, is fine as long as you've got a student loan tied towards math or science degree. The days of liberal arts majors being rewarded for a liberal arts degree, they're going to start to fade. So debt, not always a bad thing. Credit card debt, bad. Um, I love credit cards to manage my expenses, to see where everything is. But uh, carrying credit card debt is bad once you're over a certain age, say, 19 some people think they believe in the financial maxim, I should put off my life goals until I can afford them. Um, you got to start living. So, if you're having trouble paying your rent, it certainly may be wise to hold off on having a child. Uh, if you don't currently have health insurance, you may want to put it off. So, you see where that, that maximum of I should put off my life goals until I can afford them? I disagree. I think if you aren't affording your life goals like kids and such, you should go back to school as soon as you can. I work with a man who is totally comfortable with the idea that he makes slightly above minimum wage, and he's probably going to work till he dies. Now, here's the sad, sad part of it. He's not going to travel a lot in his life. He certainly can't afford to have a child. Here's the tragedy. He's under the age of 30. And everything that he might want to attain, he's already admitted defeat. Can't move, can't break the cycle. He thinks he's in a poverty cycle. I think you'll be okay. If you have any friend in any other city... Leave. Go to that city. Never rent when you can own. That's one of those phrases that I don't necessarily believe in. If you're under the age of 35, there's a good chance you're going to change jobs and that you should be open-minded to changing jobs. I would never rent with kids. But again, that's my personal choice. So some maxims that you've heard is, is silly. Renting's fine. As long as you're saving for retirement, I'm totally fine with renting. I think a big mistake is buying a a home and then tying yourself to it when your career could take you in a different direction. Or buying a home, for instance, I've got a friend who spent $550,000 on an apartment. She's a woman, which means she's got baby-making capabilities built into her body. Her body will dial her up and say, hey, I want a baby at some point. It's. She's nice enough. She's sweet enough. I, I certainly can see it happening, right? But she's now t- tied into an apartment. So let's say her you know, baby, her ovaries call her and say, Mommy, make me a, a full-fledged little boy or little girl. She has to go out and meet a man, or maybe not. I don't know. I'm not going to talk about that. But then man Her and baby living in a tiny apartment, $550,000 for essentially 680 square feet of apartment. Whoa. You can't, I mean, I guess you could live in that with a husband and baby, but it's going to be tough. The next one that I want to kind of debunk and do it just finally and get it over with is. Money is the root of all evil. I think that is a very limiting belief. I think the truth is money could be both good and bad. I think it could certainly corrupt people, but it could also help you find your moral center. Bill Gates helps a lot of people in the world. I don't think rich people are greedy and immoral. I think it's a case-by-case scenario. I always find it interesting, though, like when people who have nothing... Strike it rich with a lottery versus striking it rich with a developing a business. The people who have nothing and got lottery winners, they seem to have some disgusting ways to spend money, don't they? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's Rob Black and your money I'm Rob Black. Don't forget to listen to CFP Chad Burton's new Focus on Wealth from 1 to 2. Find me online at robblack.com.
0: Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the one